Lord, let us find peace. Good morning. My name is Derek Shields, and it's a pleasure to be here with you this morning. I bring you greetings from Columbus, Georgia, where I reside. <clears throat> and um, if you have your bulletins on the back, you would see the name of the church that I serve. I'm an executive pastor at a church in Columbus, Georgia. And um, I'll tell you a quick funny story. Um, several weeks ago, I, I can't remember how long ago I was in my office there and minding my own business, doing my thing, doing what we do, as church folks do. You know, church folks, they do stuff during the week. Phone rings, and I answered, hello. And this energetic voice on the other end says, hey, this is Derek. I'm sorry, yeah, this is Derek. This is Pastor Keith. I'm okay. Pastor Keith from Christ Community Church. You say, well, like, Really? Because you got to understand that the church I serve in is Christ Community Church. And our lead pastor, his name is Keith. So I'm like trying to figure out, now why is Keith playing a joke on me this morning? His office is right down the hallway. Why didn't he come down here and talk to me if he needed me to do anything? And, is, and then why is he so high energy? Because the Keith Coward, you know, he's just not over the top like that. But I don't know, but I'm not, you know, Keith Waldrop, he's a little high energy. <laughs> Amen. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, quickly he, he told me the purpose of his call and asked if I would consider coming over and sharing with you all on this first day of May here in this beautiful city of Montgomery. And I, I told him, I, you know, I have to check with another Keith, and if he's all right with it, I'm all right with it. And I, little did I know they'd already talked about it. So, they, you know, I was just kind of set up to be here on the day. But uh, it's a pleasure to be here. And I do bring you greetings from Christ Community Church in Columbus, Georgia. And if you're ever in Columbus, um, stop by and see us. I think you will find that it is a similar atmosphere, similar environment. The Holy Spirit visits us there on a regular basis, just like he visits here on a regular basis. Is that right? So I think if you come, you will find that you will be right at home. If you have your Bibles or devices, I would invite you to meet me in the book of Philippians, fourth chapter. I understand that you've been wearing this book out since since um, Valentine's Day. You've been in this book since Valentine's Day. I, I went back and listened to a couple of messages, and Pastor Keith on Valentine's Day said, introduced a new series and said it'll be 10 to 12 weeks. And I listened to a couple of messages, and I, I pray for y'all. Y'all might be here until Jesus comes back, you know, because he kind of gets into it and, and gets deep into it. But um, fortunately, we are toward the end of the book, so maybe, maybe it'll be coming to an end. Have you had, has, has God spoke to you as you've been going through this book? Have you heard from the Lord as you've been going through the book of Philippians? Now, if y'all hadn't noticed, I'm a black man, so it's all right for you to talk back to me. That's kind of what we, norm we normally we're used to, you know. So if I say some things that might, you know, kind of interest you or something, you can say something back. It won't bother me. It won't upset me. It won't throw me off. As a matter of fact, if you don't say anything, you know, they told me what kind of time frame I had to preach in. If I don't hear anything back, I had to preach a little harder and we'd be here all day. So do me a favor now, okay? So if I ask a question, give me a response. Is that all right? Okay, I think y'all catching on real quick. All right, that's good. So, so this book of Philippians that's written by Paul to this church of Philippi, this church of Philippi who he had kind of started, and he wrote this book as he was in prison 
and he wrote this book to encourage them because, of course, um, oppression was coming upon the church, but this church was a unique church. It was a church that had been helping Paul all through his trials and tribulations. They had actually financially sent money to him. They were encouraging to him, and he, in his, in his state, in his, where he was, in prison, in jail, decided to write this epistle to them to encourage them. And therefore, we have, you have been going through this book, this book of joy, because he's encouraging them to find joy in the midst of their circumstances. As a matter of fact, um, verse 4 of chapter 4 reads simply, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. I love to read scriptures all together. You know, that's kind of my thing. So I'm going to ask you to read scripture with me sometime. Y'all don't mind, do you? Y'all getting low again. I'll tell you, that's another five minutes on the sermon. Y'all better catch up now. All right, y'all don't mind reading, reading, reading the word together, do you? Okay, let's try this together. Let's read this together. It says what? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Joy should be a characteristic of any believer in Christ. We should have joy down in our soul. We should have joy. People should be able to look at us and tell us there's something that separates us from the average person that's walking the streets, and that is because we have joy in our hearts. Now, that's just not happiness. Let's not confuse the two. And I know you probably have gone over this one time or two times or three times in the last since February, but it doesn't hurt to go over it again. There's a difference between joy and happiness. Amen? You know, happiness is dependent upon happenings. Happiness depends upon circumstances. But joy is a whole different ballgame. Joy is something that comes from down inside, down from within. I love that song we sung earlier about it is well with my soul. See, we watch a comedy. We, watch, we go to a party. We watch Alabama beat Auburn. Or Auburn beat Alabama. Or Georgia beat both of them, whichever the case may be. And that brings happiness. <laughs> that brings happiness. And therefore, it's fleeting. It, it, it will change as the circumstance changes. It, it will change as the happening changes. I want to introduce my nephew who's here with me. Uh, uh, G, uh, what's your name? Julian. When you get my age and you got nephews and, and, and nieces, you know, they all get mixed up. Any of y'all do that sometimes? You know, we do that with our children now, me and my wife. We, which one are you? But that's, that's, that's Julian. Julian is a senior over at Alabama State. He'll be graduating next week. And I called him last night when I knew I was coming in. Yeah, yeah, y'all welcome him. Y'all welcome him. I called my brother who lives up in Huntsville and told him I was coming down here. I said, I'd like to reach out to Julian, you know, and see if he'll come over and maybe I could take him out to lunch. And I got a hold of Julian last night. He said, well, yeah, I'm going to come there, Uncle Derek, and I'll bring a friend. I didn't know it was going to be. <laughs> but, you know, that's what happens when they go off to school and everything is all good. <laughs> but anyway, so that we were talking about happiness and what the difference is between happiness and joy. Happiness is that thing that circumstances, happiness, uh, happenings bring us happiness, but we're talking about joy. The, joy. the joy that we speak of, Scripture tells us in Galatians 5, 20 through, 22 through 20, 23, that joy is what? A fruit of the Spirit. See, joy is a gift that God gives us. Joy is something that, that, that blossoms from within us. You understand what I'm saying? See, we can't manufacture it. We can't go buy it. We can't procure it. We can't do anything to earn it. It just comes up in us if we set the right environment for it to exist. That's joy. 
That's the reason why you can see some people in the midst of some difficult situations. If you wonder, why is it they still have a smile on their face? Why is it they're not all torn up and, and, and given up? It's because somehow, some way, they've connected with the power of God on high, and they have joy deep down in their heart. Anybody got joy up in here this morning? Does anybody have joy in their heart this morning? Okay, all right, all right. Man, about another minute. That's about another minute now, okay. Fruit of the Spirit. You know, in Nehemiah 8.10, it says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. You know, I, and I, I could talk about it, but let me give you an example. Let me give you, a, let me give you an example. Maybe you can wrap your mind around. Sometimes it's hard for us to get this thing called joy. I want to introduce you to a person by the name of Fanny J. Crosby. Fanny J. Crosby was born in 1820. In 1820, she was born, so it was a long time ago. But, you know, Fanny Mae Crosby wrote over 8,000 hymns. And in 1873, she wrote one that we used to sing at Bethlehem Missionary Baptist Church just about every Sunday as I was growing up back in Coffeeville, Mississippi, a song called Blessed Assurance. Anybody know about that song? I mean, I know we got these. Wasn't the worship team great this morning? Yeah, I'll give them some, oh, come on now. I mean, they lead us right into the presence of the Lord. But it's something about those old hymns. That's hymn like Blessed Assurance, you know? You know, it goes like, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. And then it goes on. This is my story. Some of y'all look like you're getting ready to cut a tune right now. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. You know, something about Fanny J. Crosby, who wrote that song in 1873. And I, I looked it up and I did a little re research. You know, the person that had the lyrics to the song just played the song for her and she immediately recited all the stanzas for the song just by listening to the music that he played. You see, she had a gift because her gift came to her very early on because when she was six weeks old, she lost her sight. So she lived all her life blind. She lived into her 90s, composing thousands of songs. She composed so many, and they were so popular that she had to get a pen name because if you look in most of the hymnals now, a lot of those songs she wrote, but she used different names just so her name wouldn't appear so many times in the hymn book. On her 92nd birthday, she cheerfully said this. She said, if, if in all the world you can find a happier, more joyous person than I am. Do bring him to me because I would like to shake his hand. That's joy. That's joy, unspeakable joy. So you might be interested on what in the world you're going to preach on. You just talked all this. What's the title of your, of your message? The title of my message is slightly different than the one that you have on your, on your outline. If you want to correct it for all those you got to have details down to the minute detail, here it is. It's going to be joy in praying, thinking, and living right. The joy in praying, thinking, and living right. The reason why I felt like the Lord wanted me to put that tag on this message is this. 
It's because if joy is where we want to live, if joy is what we want to have in our life, as we look at this letter that Paul wrote to the, people, to the church of Philippi, and we look specifically where we are in the text, then we will find that in order to have this environment to where joy can be sown deep in our soul, there are three things that we need in order to establish the condition. And the three things are simply this. We need to have a good prayer life, a good thought life, and we need to have a good way of living life. The first one is what? A good prayer life. The second one is a good thought life. And the third one is a good way of living life. Those are our three points, and I'll be out your way. Y'all ready to go? Two more minutes, two more minutes, okay. Well, let's look at the scripture. When we start out in verse number six, Paul wrote, wrote these words. He said, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And, he, and at first glance, we, we, we know he's talking about prayer and how we should commune and how we should communicate with God. But you know, he starts out in a peculiar kind of way. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Anxious about anything. Corey Ten Boom shared this truth. She said, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Worry. You know, that thing that we do that doesn't make any difference, but we seem to do it anyway. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Worry. You know, before we can even talk about prayer, we got to deal with this thing called worry because let me, let me see if I can show you an example. I read a thing about a speaker once. A speaker was talking to a class, a group, probably college-age people, students. And he did something. He poured water in a clear cup. It's not quite clear. Mama Goldberg don't have no clear cups. We, we do the best we can. And she walked around with that cup. And you would imagine that she was going to ask that age-old question. What they always ask when they do that. Is the cup half empty or is it half full? But she surprised them. That's not the question she asked. She asked this question. How much does the cup weigh? I'm asking you. How much does the cup weigh? Anybody? It depends. Who is that? An engineer or something like that? What? <laughs> How much does a cup weigh? You know, is it eight ounces? Is it 10 ounces? Five ounces? Anybody else? Can I get three? Two, one, 12, 11? You know, it doesn't really matter how much it weighs. Because whether it's five ounces, whether it's 10 ounces, whether it's four ounces, I can hold this cup with no problem at all for a couple of minutes. But if it get to be about 30 minutes, my arm will start getting tired. And if I hold this same cup for hours, my arm will start to get numb. If I held it all day long and into the next day, my arm probably will be dead from about here all the way out. You know what I mean? And that's the way worry is, my brothers and sisters. 
if we hold on to it, if we hold on to that thing, if we keep, keep it on our plate, the longer we hold, we hold on to it, the more uncomfortable we become. If we keep on holding on to it, it paralyzes us and we can't seem to do anything in life because we keep fixated on this one thing that we're anxious about, that we worry about. Y'all get the picture? But you know the answer to the problem and the answer to the worry? Set it down. Cast it over onto Jesus. Just that simple. So he starts out with that, do not be anxious about anything. But in how many situations? Every situation. In how many situations? Every situation. Every situation do what? By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. You know that whole thing about, about prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Because see, sometimes in the midst of my worry, how do I convert my worry over into, how do I lay it down and, and, and give it to the Lord? See, it is through prayer that I do that. But I must be, I must confess to you, sometimes when I lay it down, my prayers are more like, would you, would you, could you, why don't you, when are you? You understand what I'm saying? But he gives us a pattern in which to communicate with the Father. As a matter of fact, when Jesus taught us to pray in that model prayer, it's a great example, and some of you might have heard this, if you use the Acts model, you use adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, then we will begin to be in fellowship with our Father. And our Father will hear, it's not that he doesn't know, but it's something about us confessing what we need and being willing to be vulnerable and let it all out there that we humble ourselves. And then and only then we can connect with our Father and He can begin to hear our cry and He begin to give us answers. But it has to be adoration. We must know that He is God and we are not. Amen? We got to start there. And that He is the author and perfecter of our faith. And that all these things that we enjoy are of Him. We must adore Him. We must worship Him. That's why we come into worship service and we start with worship to get our hearts in tune with who He is and the, and the majesty of who He is. Then we can confess that, yes, I've fallen short. Yes, I've blown it. Yes, I've done things I shouldn't have done. Confess. But thank Him for all through the trials and tribulations. He's still here with us, and then we're ready to ask for what it is that we want. You see that pattern? But, but Paul didn't stop there. He says that do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to the Lord. That's our prayer life. Our prayer life, which must be right in order for us to have the environment and the conditions where joy can flourish. Let go of your stresses. Do not carry them through the evening or into the night. Then we move on. We move on. Because, see, if we do that, then we find, as Paul writes, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. Don't you want the peace of God to guard your heart and your mind? Why do we need it to guard our heart? You know, the Bible tells us that our heart is the wellspring of life. And if you think of this picture, a wellspring, a wellspring up in the mountains, not down here in the flatland in Montgomery, but if you go up north, up in the mountains, up there above Huntsville, up there above Atlanta, where I come from, if you go up in those mountains, they have those things called wellsprings. You know where they are? There's water that comes out from under the ground, and it seems to flow. 
And see, you have to protect that source of the water. Because see, if you poison it at the, at the source, everything downriver, everything downstream will be poisoned. If you plug it up at the source, everything downriver will dry up. But, but this, is, this is telling us that, that the peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So our prayer life. But the second thing that we said we got to get in, get in line is our thought life. And we move on because he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, worthy, think about such things. This is worth us saying all together. Let's do, let's do it one time. How does it go? Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. The point of it is this. If we focus in on those things that Paul describes, then we won't have time for the negative things that will poison our wellspring and our mind. The season that we live in right now, oh, it's a dangerous time. If you're, getting up any, if you're getting up in the morning and doing anything but hitting your knees, if you were to turn on, if you turn that thing on, you know what thing I'm talking about, you turn that little box on, man, you're going to be on for a run for your life the rest of that day because all we get from that is negative stuff. None of the things that we get from that squawk box is, falls in the categories which Paul told us to think about. You know, there was, a, there was a Christian elder who was describing life's struggle with a young man. And this is the way he told it to him. He said, it feels like there are two dogs fighting inside of me. And the young man asked, well, which one is winning? The older man replied, whichever one I feed. Think about it. Our thought life. Either we can choose to keep it focused in on those things that Paul describes, or we can get distracted, as the video talked about. The video that was transitioned between worship and the, and the message. I love it when God just pulled everything together. You know, I couldn't ask for another, a, a better lead in than, than anything. But see, if we get distracted and we let the things of this world get our attention, then inside of us, inside of us, we don't have the peace of God anymore. And we can't live in a place of joy because this battle is going on internally. The third thing, what was the first thing? The first thing we had to do, the first condition we got to make sure we got our prayer life. And the second was, okay, 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 now, come on now, come on, come on. The first one was what? Our prayer life. The second one was, and the third one is, the way we live. The way we live. We're going to be closing here in just a minute. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Read that with me, please. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, 
put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul gets real personal with the people of Philippi here. Up until this point, you know, he described what joy, he's commanded them to have joy. By the way, have you ever thought about all through scriptures when we see joy? It's not something that is suggested that we have, but if we are believers, if we are blood-bought, if we are blood-bought, if, if, if we are spirit-filled believers in Jesus Christ, we get this idea that he says, have joy. Have joy. So he's told them this, and then he began to set the stage on how they create the atmosphere in which joy can well up inside them. And he talked about their prayer life. How many of us, we know that our prayer life could use a little tune-up? How many of us know that our prayer life sometimes is more of a monologue and not a dialogue? How many of us can confess this morning that Lately, my prayer life has been more out of desperation than in true communion with our Father. So he, he talks about that with them. And then he, then he transitioned, and he, and he talks about the thought life. What are you focusing on? What, what, do you, what do you think about? What consumes your thought life? You know, it's about five years ago. I was, um, I, I retired from the military 21 years ago. I did 20 years in the military, retired, tw retired 21 years ago from the infantry. Good old infantry. Anybody? Oh, this is Air Force territory over here. Y'all don't know about that. But um, <laughs> um, I, I retired from the, the Army infantry soldier after 20 years. That's how I got to Columbus, Georgia, Fort Benning, Georgia. And, and, you know, I rolled off of those 20 years where we used to get up every morning and do PT and do all that good stuff. I rolled off of that for many years and, and just kind of felt like, you know, I just acted like all the, all the physical activity I did back then would carry me through the rest of my life. You, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Some of y'all understand what I'm saying when I say that, don't you? Y'all know what I'm talking about. And, and it was about four years ago, though, uh, it started to catch up with me. And, and I, was, I, was, I was getting to be kind of chubby around the midsection, you know? Yeah. Well, I got to laugh at me. I'm just telling you, come on. <laughs> and, and, and it all came to, it all came to a crescent, came to a point when, when I, I started having some, some problems. You know, you know when you start having problems, nobody really know it but you. You're the first to know it, though, you know? I, I noticed I was having some shortness of breath, and, and, and every now and then I would, I would have a little pain up here a little bit, and I'll be thinking, oh, that can't be nothing. It must be indigestion, you know, but it started to get worse and worse, and I didn't even tell my wife. I didn't tell anybody, but I finally went to the doctor, and, and you know, they said, you know, when you go in there, doctor, boy, they, they own it, especially if you got TRICARE, you know, they do all kind of tests because it's free, you know, but, but I was, let, me, let me stay focused, but anyway, but I found myself sitting in this doctor's office, and he looked me in the eye, just like, just like I'm sitting here looking at you, and I'm looking at you. And we were just, he was just sitting down at the table, and he said, he said to me, well, we can go in and, and do, um, do that little thing where they put that thing up through your leg, you know. And, and while we're in there, you know, if we have to, we could do a stint. And here I was, just, just over 50 years old, and I'm thinking, what? 
you want to do what? That caused me to start focusing on some things a little bit different. I start changing what I put in my mouth. Because, you know, there's a saying about you are what you eat. I say all of that to say we also are what we think. What are you thinking about? What takes up the majority of your thought life? And if it's, if it's off-centered, if you know it's not good, if you know it's not doing you and your family and your soul any good, then change it and do as Paul has invited us to do. Think on those things, and he gave us several categories. But when he got to this particular one, he flipped the script, script a little bit because he went from talking things about what you should do to giving his own life as an example. Listen to those words again. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Now, I know you all are, 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 are just theologians, you know. Every one of y'all, Pastor Keith has, has, has parsed the word of God in front of y'all, so y'all know, but you know about Paul. Paul's story. You know, Paul was in prison when he wrote this. But not, not only was he in prison when he wrote this, but five times he had received 39 lashes. Three times he, he was beaten with rods. One time he was stoned. Three times he was shipwrecked. One time, he spent a whole day and night out on the sea. Paul had some struggles. You know, as we read in, in, in 2 Corinthians, and, and we continue on with this, he says, I have been in danger from rivers, in dangers from bandits, in dangers from my fellow Jews, in dangers from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have gone, often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. And then in verse 28, he says, besides everything else, I face daily the pressures of my concern for all the churches. Them church folks had them on, uh, you know, oh, I'm sorry. But, you know, he had, he had all of this that he had to contend with. But look what Paul says in chapter 12. Paul says, therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, what? My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul was given his, whole, his own life as an example to these believers in Philippi to say, look at me. Anything that you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, just don't look at it. Just don't talk about it, but put it into practice. Do it. I say to us, Christ Community Church, I wonder if there's anybody, anybody in your sphere of influence that can look at you and see the God in you despite the situation that you might be going through. I wonder if there's anybody that you come in contact with that can look at you and say, that's what I want. That's what I want to be. I want to be somebody who has joy in my heart, peace in my soul. I don't know how they're doing it, 
but I want to find out. And maybe you say, well, I'm not at that place. You see, I'm still, I'm still one who, who's struggling myself. Then I invite you to look around because God didn't bring you here by accident. There's somebody here that you can look to, that you can look at, that you can fix your eyes on. And you see how they walk. You see how they talk. You see how they conduct themselves. In other words, who are we helping and who is helping us walk this Christian life? Because, yes, things could go bad, things can be down, but it's when we are down and when we're out, that's when he is the strongest. That is when he shows his strength, when we are at our worst, when we are at our lowest. And the only way that we can keep holding that is when we have peace of God in our heart and the God of peace is walking with us and we have joy in our heart, then we can walk through these trials and tribulations because they will come. And if they're not at your doorstep, just keep on walking and they'll be there soon. Amen? You know, God always has a way of kind of preparing me for messages like this. And, and, and just a couple of days ago, I was talking with some brothers I'm in community with. And we were talking about how it seems like God, if we really stay connected to the vine, he prepares us for those difficult things that we're faced with. One of my brothers was sharing with us that he has a son that's off and he hadn't heard from him because his son, he knows he's dabbling in drugs. He knows that, that he's not doing the right thing and he doesn't know what to do. As he shared with us, we prayed with us, you know, it's just a sense of peace he had because he said, all I know is that God knows where he is. And if I would just keep control of myself, whenever he calls, whenever I see him, if I let the love of God come out of me, instead of the condemnation and the shame and the guilt that my flesh want to pour out on him, if I could just do that, I believe that it would draw him closer. That's a friend of mine, but you know, I've got my own personal stories about that. See, this whole thing about, it's this whole thing about the way we live our life in order to have peace and to have joy. Because see, sometimes in difficult situations, if I'm not fixed on him, if I, my prayer life is not whole and complete, if I'm not allowing myself to get sucked into worrying about it, then my reaction is not like, it's not Christ-like, because my reaction is based upon what I want and where I think it should go. You know, there was a song that, um, where's Chris at? Come on up here, Chris. I'm going to put you on the spot. There's a song that kind of sums all this up. It's a song that I was introduced to when I was at my personal lowest. 
when a friend of mine who just kind of took a liking to me invited me to take part in a Christian retreat. Is it a time when I wasn't praying? Is it a time that it was a time when um when I was thinking the worst and those thoughts consumed my life. See, my marriage was falling apart. Habits had started getting kind of bad in my life. But there was a man who simply just came to me and said, I want you to try this. And he, then he told me, he said, and by the way, you know I love you, don't you? This man was a lot older than I was, and he, was, he didn't look like me. I guess you all understand what that means. And it was, I was kind of like, why is he saying this to me? He told me that on one day, and it was like, I, I think it was about four or five months later. He said, you remember when I told you about it? I want you to try something? I said, yeah. He said, okay, it's time for you to try it. And he, took, he and his wife picked me up and took me to this place and dropped me off with a whole group of other men, none of them I've ever seen before. And we began to go through a three-day experience where we prayed. We prayed and we laughed and we ate. And not only did we pray, but you know we did the things that Paul was talking about here. Our mind became focused. And in each other, and in, in, in I saw in other people there this lifestyle that I so desperately, desperately needed. And there was a song that they sang. You may not know it. I, it just, I'm, I'm going to try it. I don't sing very well, but it's simply called Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. You know that song? It just kind of, I don't know, I, I'm just one of them kind of, it just came to my mind. And I, I think that would be a great way for us to kind of, really seal this message. 